Right. Um, Psalm 120, and I'll be beginning a new series that I'm calling um, Songs for the Weary Pilgrim. And if you look in your bulletins, it says Songs for the Road. And I printed the bulletins out this morning, and between the time I printed out the bulletin and sent Ryan the email to put the text up there, I changed the title of the series. That's sometimes how last minute I'm still working on <laughs> things for uh, for what I, I, I preach. But I, I, um, I, I like this title better, that these are songs for the weary pilgrim. Uh, I am feeling weary this morning physically, uh, and it's all due to my own fault. Uh, as, as I had mentioned yesterday, we were able to take some uh, friends uh, of our kids and our kids uh, as part of a homeschool group. We went up to uh, Adventureland and we had adventures um, all to a varying degree. <laughs> um, my wife, I think, showed us all up Although Ryan did pretty good, but she rode on all those crazy roller coasters you see, and I, it hurt just to watch. Okay. <laughs> the scary looking ones were not the ones that had made me sore. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I told her that my idea of adventure was to eat from a food truck, and that was about it. Um, to eat from a food truck. Yeah. Uh, you never know what you, what little surprises are going to be in your food that, from there. But uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, got to uh, enjoy some time with our family together and um, a couple of kids from school and, and just had a great time. Um, but I was, I was thinking, and we were kind of joking about the people on the roller coaster as they get to the very top and are about to plunge over uh, to their certain demise, I'm, I'm sure, um, we started joking about this is the point where you regret every life decision you've ever made as you're about to <laughs> plunge down the trail of, of, the, uh, of the roller coaster, which is why I don't want to ride those. <laughs> uh, well, that and, and the, uh, the scrambler threw my back out. So <laughs> uh, I'm just, I can't decide if I'm old or out of shape and I don't want to know the answer to it. <laughs> what do you mean? Yes. <laughs> All right. Where were we? Okay. Um, but we did a lot of walking that day. Um, we, we have uh, on, our, on our watches one of those apps that track how many steps you make in a day. And I, I can't remember now, it was close to 18,000 I think I got, uh, which is far and above more than I get in a day. Uh, okay, Gracie, yeah. Gracie got 3,000 steps just in the van. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how she managed that one. Um, well, I, I guess I do, but I won't say. No. <laughs> uh, that just kind of tells you the difference in our personality. When uh, at the end of the day, though, we were all tired. We needed refreshment, and our our beds were soft. They were comfortable, and we were able to rest. Uh, and then I realized I forgot to do bulletins. So <laughs> there are moments in our walk with the Lord that. It feels like we're at the tippy top of that tall roller coaster, about to plunge down. And I know the one that, that Aaron went on, I mean, as it plunges down, it curves around like that, and you can't actually see where the rest of the track goes. Sometimes life feels like that. You're, you're looking down and you're like, Lord, where's my next step going? <laughs> I don't see where this is leading. Just screw 
scream really loud, throw your hands up and enjoy the ride. Okay, you do that. <laughs> Just throw your hands up and step out, <laughs> right? Okay, make sure you're buckled in. Okay. Um, sometimes, you know, you're going to say, I'm going to play it safe. And you, and you go on a ride you enjoy, but that still kind of puts you through the ringer. Um, there are a lot of different paths the Lord calls us to take. And it can be a wearisome journey. Uh, I, I think the day that comes, our final day in this earth, um, Scripture says we enter into that rest. And I, I think that's, I mean, I take Scripture literally. I think rest will be involved to finally lay down the weariness of our journey, to say, my journey is done. I'm going to take off my shoes. I'm going to sit in my heavenly armchair, and I'm going to rest. And I'm going to be refreshed. And I'm going to worship Jesus because my path on earth is done and God has called me home, and the journey is over. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is, that is a good thing. That is part of the hope we have in heaven. But in the meantime, we're on this journey that is wearisome. And scripture has the songs for us. Like any good car trip, many like to bring along music. Uh, songs to play, songs to sing along with, uh, to keep your mind awake. Um, that could be why Grace got so many steps in the van. <laughs> we we had some uh, we had we had some good moments there. And these psalms that are called the Song of Ascents are songs to be sung. Uh, the Book of Psalms are songs. This is Israel's hymn book. And what it means, the Song of Ascents, uh, it, there's some debate as to what it means. Another way to translate that is also pilgrimage, uh, the songs of a pilgrimage. And Israel would, would recite these psalms as they journeyed to Jerusalem for the um, several, I think two or three different um, festivals in their history or in, in their year's celebrations that required them to go to Jerusalem to worship God at the temple, to bring sacrifice to the temple. And so in Psalms 120 through 134, these are the songs that Israel would recite to themselves on their journey to Jerusalem. And others say that these are songs that Israel sang as they made their way out of Babylonian captivity back to Israel. And I'm just I'm giving you this information here because we're going to be looking at um, these uh, 15 psalms. Not all this morning. We'll take we'll take at least one a week uh, to uh, to to look at what Israel said to themselves and taught themselves as they made these journeys. Whether it's to Jerusalem to bring sacrifice, or whether it's from Babylon, they're coming out of captivity and they are heading back home. And they come back to Jerusalem after years of captivity. Some, perhaps many, born in captivity and had never seen their home before. These are the Psalms that they would sing. And so today, our first uh, song 
that we're looking at tells us to pursue peace. To pursue peace. And so we're going to start in um, this one, uh, number 120. Again, it says, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. The psalm reminds believers today that worship is a privilege and the blessings we receive must be shared. So the writer of the psalm shares them with us today. What does the pilgrim do when he is weary? When he is tired or when she is tired on the journey? I think they should pursue peace. Let's look at what God's word says. And as he pursues peace, uh, first of all, he, there you go, the pilgrim, the pilgrim prays. And uh, again, that's in verses one and two, as I read. Here, the psalmist, he, he writes several things about himself. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. How many of you have received a phone call from your child, perhaps late in the evening, to say, Dad or Mom, I'm having car trouble. <laughs> uh, the car won't start. Uh, it's, it's smoking. It's making a loud noise. It blew up. <laughs> it's only some of those happened to me. <laughs> uh, the car won't start. They cry out in distress. What do I do? Uh, well, call AAA and let me go back to bed. <laughs> no, no, uh, you very likely as a, oh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> never mind that illustration. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's what AAA is there for. <laughs> I think we had one too many car pr problems because Aaron's dad bought us some AAA, so <laughs> maybe he was tired of getting those calls. <laughs> um, but we, we cry out to someone to help, right? We, we call our, our parent. We call AAA. We call the tow truck to come and help. This writer says, he says, in my distress, I was distressed on my journey. I called to the Lord and he answered me. He says, I called to the Lord and God answered me. I was distressed. I prayed and God answered. What did he pray? In verse two, he says, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. So this writer's problem was that he was surrounded, that he was imprisoned by people who were lying, by people who were slanderous, by people who were deceitful against him. And if you've ever had people act that way towards you, you know how hurtful that is. This is, the, uh, this is the description of Satan, that Satan is the slanderer. He is the deceiver. He is a liar. And those who follow Satan follow that pattern. They are doing to your face what Satan does uh, behind the scenes. You know, we just got done with a study on, on uh, the book of James, and we know what James has to say about the tongue. James is very, very blunt about it. <laughs> and he has said that, uh, just to remind us here, he said that, um, that we know the power of the tongue and its destructive capabilities. 
James says, he describes it like a bit that can control a horse or a small rudder that controls a giant ship or a small spark that can start a forest fire. James says that the tongue is uncontrollable and it is a restless evil and it cannot be contained and it is full of deadly poison. And then we read here where the the writer says, Lord, deliver me from these lion lips. Deliver me from these deceitful tongues. They have surrounded me and I'm weary. I am in distress. And he says, God answered him. How God answers, we'll see in a moment. But when we are distressed, do we pray? If we are to pursue peace, which is, I think, the point of of this psalm, we are to pursue peace. We need to pray. That needs to be a vital part of, of our Christian walk. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, Jerry was talking about um, our, our spiritual walk and what happens if we decide to take a vacation from our spiritual walk. Um, nothing good happens. Um, some very, uh, some great discussion on that this morning. We don't take vacations from our Christian life. We need to pray. To say, I'm too busy to pray. That's, there sh- that shouldn't be in our vocabulary. <laughs> Praying has got to be one of the easiest things we can do. I can pray while I drive. I can pray while I walk. I was praying on one of the amusement park rides I went on yesterday. <laughs> that, that was praying. It might have sounded like crying and sobbing, but no. Uh, I, I was watching some of those and thinking, man, I would be praying if I was on that ride right now. <laughs> Lord, get me off of this somehow. <laughs> uh, well, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You make it off the hard way. <laughs> On, off you go. But we need to pray. This must be a part of our life. If we are to grow, if we are to walk, if we are to survive our weary journey, we need to pray. How far do you get when you don't put gas in your car? <laughs> uh, I've gotten pretty close a few times, but... Uh, I think only once I've run out of gas. Um, fortunately, I was in Ankeny, so I could <laughs> call secure, face security to come rescue their boss. Um, <laughs> rank has its privileges. <laughs> um, that's what that is, yes. Uh, all right, so we need to pray. It's, it's that, that gas that keeps us going, that keeps our car moving. We need to pray. And be assured that when God, when we call out to God, he hears us. My kids are laughing because they say I'm getting harder of hear, hearing. Uh, I think they've noticed, especially this past year. And you know, I tell them what my dad always said. Well, I'm not getting harder of hearing. You're just talking quieter. <laughs> you, need to, you need to talk louder. That's what my dad said. <laughs> uh, it's probably all the yelling they do and their loud kid music and all that. But, uh, you know, that's just, that's just part of the aging process, right? <laughs> Things don't work as well. <laughs> but when we call out to God, God doesn't say, I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? What did you say? God doesn't say, well, let me turn up my, my heavenly hearing aid here. I didn't quite catch that. 
When we pray, God answers. There's, there's no doubt about that. Unless there's sin in our life that has disrupted our relationship, God will answer. Scripture does say that if I hide uh, sin within my heart, God will not hear me. But he will respond when we call out to him. When we, if we pray for forgiveness, if we pray for help, God listens and he answers. Now, how he answers, that is another story. <laughs> how does God answer this, this uh, pilgrim as he's on his journey? Well, if we are to pursue peace and pray, uh, we can anticipate justice or anticipate an answer. But in this particular case here in Psalms, He's anticipating justice, this, this pilgrim is. This is how God answers. It's an interesting answer. He, um, the, the speaker of the psalm now addresses the deceitful tongue. He says, what shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Nowhere do we have in the psalm where it says God delivered me or God did this to my enemies. He's praying that God would deliver him, but we don't have that recorded that it happened here. In some psalms we do. This particular one, we don't. What God is delivering him from really is from himself. <laughs> but we'll look at that here soon. But what he is being reminded of here is God's response, of God's view of, uh, well, essentially God's justice. He says, what shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? And many see verse four as an answer to that question. Some see it as maybe he's just describing what the tongue is like, and it certainly could be described that way. But I think what he is saying is that what will happen will be a warrior's sharp arrows and glowing coals from the broom tree, that God, when he responds, he will destroy this deceitful, sinful tongue, that a warrior's sharp arrow will destroy it, that it will be burned with those glowing coals of the broom tree, which I'm told is a type of tree that... Uh, was here in the in, in around Israel that would be very is very good for burning because it made good charcoal. It made good long lasting heat. That God is going to step in and bring justice. And that if we are pursuing peace by crying out to the Lord, we can anticipate that God will step in. That he will bring his justice against those who sin against him. But in the meantime, I think we find him waiting. And he's waiting for the Lord to act. But don't fret because God will act. The pilgrim anticipates justice. He anticipates God to answer. You know, we might be in distress. We might be facing those uh, those those lies and deceit. 
but it could be that we are the ones speaking deceit, that we are the ones who are lying. Let's make sure to look at that from both sides of this issue. Maybe God is bringing to your mind someone that you have spoken deceitfully about or that you have spoken, uh, that you have lied about. Have we become that enemy to this person? Uh, I think it's worth considering because, you know, we're human. <laughs> we are not perfect. Uh, is, have we become the deceiver rather than the one who's being deceived? <coughs> have we become the liar rather than the one who has been lied against? I think those are good questions to ask ourselves as we journey. Because sometimes our weariness is our own fault. Uh, you know, there are, were moments in my life that I was either tired or I got an injury, and a lot of those things were my own fault. Because as a teenager, you know, your brain isn't fully developed yet. <laughs> and you, you do stupid things that sounded like a good idea. Like, you know, making an, an, a, an ice ramp for your bicycle one winter to try to go, drive off of it and, and catch some air. And to make it extra slick, we put some cardboard on top of the ice, which, yeah, how am I still alive? My bike went flying right out from underneath me and I just dropped right on, right on my back, on my neck. <laughs> and the, my friends I was with, they thought I, I, I was dead, you know, but I was making enough noise, they <laughs> reassured them. And uh, these, these were my pastor's kids we were, we were playing with. And, and the next day at church, I had a migraine and Oh, I was, I just hurt. And my pastor had not an ounce of sympathy for me. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> He's like, I knew, I saw what you guys were doing. He's like, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, I want to do that as an adult. <laughs> I know better now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sometimes those moments of weariness, it's our own fault. But you know what? God is gracious. He's compassionate. He's kind. He understands, as we saw last week. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He's going to forgive us. He's going to help us. So take a moment. Because as I understand it in verse 4, that that's God's wrath poured out on those who are uh, ungodly. Don't think that God's wrath is a thing to be trifled with or a thing that won't happen. You know, I think that's one of the greatest lies that Satan wants us to believe is that God will not respond in wrath. That God will, you know, God is love. That's what scripture says. And Satan is a master at twisting scripture. And that can be twisted to some very devious ends. God's wrath is a very real thing. So we can take comfort in that, knowing that maybe it'll wait until after we get to heaven, but God's wrath will be done. God's justice will be on display. And that ought to not cause us to, to sit in our, you know, and, uh, and bring judgment against others and, and smug arrogance to say, you know, one day God's going to get you. Uh, he's going to get you. But rather to respond to that in grace and compassion the gospel, 
to say, you know, God's wrath is real. Um, turn today, repent today before it's too late. Um, as we pursue peace, we can anticipate God's answers. We can anticipate justice. And then uh, thirdly this morning, the pilgrim patiently endures. Uh, that sounds like uh, when they used to say, you know, hard, hard work, it's good for you. It builds character. The, the blisters, well, they build character. <laughs> the aching muscles, they build character. Uh, maybe if you were, you know, doing something smart, like hard work, you know, <laughs> and not just being dumb. But the pilgrim patiently endures. He writes in verse five, he says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And the poet here, he's bewailing the fact that he had to continue to live with such liars who continually stir up strife. Uh, he, he says, I sojourn in Meshach and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. These are two enemies of Israel. Uh, and one is, was uh, north of Israel and the other was south of Israel. And uh, Kedar uh, were descendants of Ishmael. And that's in where they dwelt. So there's some of that family connection there as well. But basically, you know, he, he's saying, I am surrounded by and dwell in the midst of people like them, the, those who are deceitful and liars and enemies. I am dwelling in the land of Gentiles. You know, a, a insult for a Old Testament uh, Israelite. And he says, woe to me, this is hard, this is heavy, this is difficult. I look around and see deception. I look around and see uncleanness. I look around and I see lies and deception. It sounds like he's writing about our world today. And he looks around and he sees there are lies, there are deceptions, there are people out for their own profit. There are people who are slandering others. And he says, woe to me that I sojourn here. Uh, now, I am not sad. I am not saying, woe is me that I am dwelling in America. I rather like it here. <laughs> uh, and I'm very grateful that I live here. But I understand the sorrow to see, to look around and see there's so much deception there are so many lies and so many people believing these lies. And it's heartbreaking that we possess the truth, the word of God, the clear, vibrant light of God's word, and nobody wants to hear it. That no, nobody seems to care that their eternity is at stake. I mean, this goes beyond, you know, who did you vote for or what what programs do you want to see our government do or this or that this we're talking about heaven and hell here and we see look around and see the people they don't want to hear and you know what scripture says that day would come that they won't want to hear the truth that they will wrench themselves away that they will follow after false teachers because 
their words are pleasant and it's what they want to hear. But our duty remains the same. God tells Timothy, or Paul tells Timothy uh, in, in uh, 2 Timothy, he says, preach the word. That's our job is to preach the word. And so, yes, we might see that despair. We might feel that heartache as we look around and all we see are lies and deceptions and everyone's just following it blindly. But he says, and he says, too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And there the psalm ends. <laughs> like, well, how does, how does this get resolved? He's, he's just crying out to God in anguish. This is, this is like a, a page out of this guy's diary that says, you know, today I, I just met conflict after conflict. I tried to speak peace. Everyone was for war. They told lies. They, they slandered me. And go, I think it goes back to verse one. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And he reminded me that these things would not go unpunished. That, these, that God would take care of these things that he would not forget to be just. Are we dwelling, are we happily dwelling in these lands of sin? Uh, I think that could cause weariness on our journey is to, to get comfortable with the sin around us, to become uh, at peace with the lies and deception that come from our world. It ought to make us uncomfortable. It ought to break our hearts when we see sin and deception and injustice around us. And we ought to cry out to God about it because he's the one who can solve that problem. The pilgrim prays for deliverance and he patiently endures until that day. And he prays, and sometimes he pours out his heart, and sometimes God delivers him, and sometimes God says, we're gonna have to walk through this. But I want you to remember that God also says he will punish the wicked. He will be just. He will be compassionate, but he will be just. He will show grace and mercy but he will also be just. And that's what we can, that can be our hope as we walk on this journey. You know, the cross enables us to offer forgiveness to those who hate peace. You know, I, I'm reading this thinking, how, do, how does a Christian respond to this? This is, you know, Old Testament Israel. How, how about today? How does a Christian respond to this? Well, Romans chapter 12 tells us that we ought to live peaceably with all men and to do all we can to do that. Because of the cross, we can offer forgiveness to those who hate peace because God offered us forgiveness when we hated peace. When we contemplate the cross, we're crushed to the ground and overwhelmed by God's love for us. We are compelled to quench our desire for personal vengeance and extend compassion to others. By God's grace, we seek peace with all people so far as it depends on us. What you also don't see in the psalm is the writer saying that these people lied about me. They've surrounded me. They've been deceptive. So I got them good. <laughs> I, I burned their house down. <laughs> it's the first thing that came to my head. 
<laughs> I've got good neighbors, so I don't, I don't feel like doing that <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but you know, some, you're like, oh, I'm going to go key their car, or I'm going to go let the air out of their tires, or you know, whatever. I'm going to talk bad about them. They talk bad about me. I'm going to strike back. They started this fight, but I'm going to finish it. <laughs> I got a bunch of more cliches if you want to hear more. <laughs> no, what you hear him is this writer, he cries out to God. He cries out to the Lord to pursue peace. He said, I have pursued peace, but I am continually surrounded by those who hate peace. That doesn't mean we stop. We need to pursue peace. And we will find refreshment on this road as we make our pilgrimage to the Lord. Whatever verbal attacks we might suffer, we know that Christ will right all wrongs. We know that he wants us to have peace. We know that he will have the final word. And so again, don't let this truth drive us to smug arrogance and fake humility but let that truth drive us to extend forgiveness, grace, and the gospel to those who hurt us because God has done no less for us. Let's pray.